Chapter Twenty Eight of the Scottish Fairy Book by Elizabeth W. Grierson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Farquhar MacNeil. Once upon a time, there was a young man named Farquhar MacNeil. He had just gone to a new situation, and the very first night after he went to it, his mistress asked him if he would go over the hill to the house of a neighbor and borrow a sieve for her own was all in holes, and she wanted to sift some meal. Farquhar agreed to do so, for he was a willing lad, and he set out at once upon his errand, after the farmer's wife had pointed out to him the path that he was to follow, and told him that he would have no difficulty in finding the house, even though it was strange to him, for he would be sure to see the light in the window. He had not gone very far, however, before he saw what he took to be the light from a cottage window on his left hand, some distance from the path, and forgetting his mistress's instructions that he was to follow the path right over the hill, he left it and walked towards the light. It seemed to him that he had almost reached it when his foot tripped, and he fell down, 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 into a fairy parlor, far under the ground. It was full of fairies who were engaged in different occupations. Close by the door, or rather the hole down which he had so unceremoniously tumbled, two little elderly women, in black aprons and white mutches, were busily engaged in grinding corn between two flat millstones. Other two fairies, younger women in blue-print gowns and white kerchiefs, were gathering up the freshly ground meal and baking it into bannocks, which they were toasting on a girdle over a peat fire, which was burning slowly in a corner. They all stopped their various employments when Farquhar came suddenly down in their midst, and looked at him in alarm, but when they saw that he was not hurt they bowed gravely, and bade him be seated. Then they went on with their work and with their play as if nothing had happened. But Farquhar, being very fond of dancing, and being in no wise anxious to be seated, thought that he would like to have a reel first, so he asked the fairies if he might join them, and they, although they looked surprised at his request, allowed him to do so, and in a few minutes the young man was dancing away as gaily as any of them. And as he danced a strange change came over him. He forgot his errand, he forgot his home, he forgot everything that had ever happened to him. He only knew that he wanted to remain with the fairies all the rest of his life and he did remain with them, for a magic spell had been cast over him, and he became like one of themselves, and could come and go at nights without being seen, and could sip the dew from the grass and honey from the flowers, as daintily and noiselessly as if he had been a fairy born. Time passed by, and one night he and a band of merry companions set out for a long journey through the air, they started early, for they intended to pay a visit to the man in the moon, and be back again before cock-crow. All would have gone well if Farquhar had only looked where he was going, but he did not, being deeply engaged in making love to a young fairy maiden by his side. So he never saw a cottage that was standing right in his way, till he struck against the chimney and stuck fast in the thatch. His companion sped merrily on, not noticing what had befallen him, and he was left to disentangle himself as best he could. As he was doing so, he chanced to glance down the wide chimney, 
and in the cottage kitchen he saw a comely young woman dandling a rosy-cheeked baby. Now, when Farquhar had been in his mortal state, he had been very fond of children, and a word of blessing rose to his lips. "'God shield thee,' he said, as he looked at the mother and child, little guessing what the result of his words would be. For scarce had the holy name crossed his lips, than the spell which had held him so long was broken, and he became as he had been before. Instantly his thoughts flew to his friends at home, and to the new mistress whom he had left waiting for her sieve, for he felt sure that some weeks must have elapsed since he set out to fetch it, so he made haste to go to the farm. When he arrived in the neighborhood everything seemed strange. There were woods where no woods used to be, and walls where no walls used to be. To his amazement he could not find his way to the farm, and worst of all, in the place where he expected to find his father's house, he found nothing but a crop of rank green nettles. In great distress he looked about for someone to tell him what it all meant, and at last he found an old man thatching the roof of a cottage. The old man was so thin and grey that at first Farquhar took him for a patch of mist, but as he went nearer he saw that he was a human being, and, going close up to the wall and shouting with all his might, for he felt sure that such an ancient man would be deaf, he asked him if he could tell him where his friends had gone to and what had happened to his father's dwelling. The old man listened, then he shook his head. I never heard of him, he answered slowly, but perhaps my father might be able to tell you. Your father, said Farquhar, in great surprise, is it possible that your father is alive? Aye, he is, answered the old man with a little laugh. If you go into the house, you'll find him sitting in the armchair by the fire. Farquhar did as he was bid, and on entering the cottage found another old man, who was so thin and withered and bent that he looked as if he must at least be a hundred years old. He was feebly twisting ropes to bind the thatch on the roof. "'Can ye tell me aught of my friends, or where my father's cottage is?' asked Farquhar again, hardly expecting that this second old man would be able to answer him. "'I cannot.' mumbled this ancient person, but perhaps my father can tell you. Your father, exclaimed Farquhar, more astonished than ever, but surely he must be dead long ago. The old man shook his head with a weird grimace. Look there, he said, and pointed with a twisted finger to a leathern purse or sporran, which was hanging to one of the posts of a wooden bedstead in the corner. Farquhar approached it, and was almost frightened out of his wits by seeing a tiny shriveled face, crowned by a red perny, looking over the edge of the sporran. "'Tack him out, in no touchy,' chuckled the old man by the fire. So Farquhar took the little creature out carefully between his finger and thumb, and set him on the palm of his left hand. He was so shriveled with age that he looked just like a mummy. "'Dost know anything of my friends or where my father's cottage is gone to?' asked Farquhar for the third time, hardly expecting to get an answer. "'They were all dead before I was born,' piped out the tiny figure. "'I never saw any of them, but I have heard my father speak of them.' "'Then I must be older than you!' cried Farquhar in great dismay, and he got such a shock at the thought that his bones suddenly dissolved into dust, and he fell, a heap of grey ashes, on the floor." 
End of chapter 28